0: Hello and welcome to On Your Screen, a relatively new monthly show about digital film culture. I'm your host, Will DeGravio, and on today's show, I sit down with Don McGowell, the creator of the popular Twitter account, Silent Movie GIFs. We discuss the history of the account, Don's curatorial approach, why the GIF is an ideal medium for the sharing of silent film, how content spreads on the internet, and how GIFs are helping to bring silent cinema to new audiences in the 21st century. Don also talks about his Reddit page and the viral compilation videos he has made about silent cinema on YouTube. For those who may be new to this podcast, this show is a companion to another podcast that I host called The Video Essay Podcast, which is a show featuring conversations with leading critics, scholars, filmmakers, and other practitioners of videographic criticism or video essays to learn more about on your screen the video essay podcast and the other work that i do please visit www.thevideoessay.com or follow us on twitter at the video essay and now here is my conversation with don McGowell, the creator of silent movie gifs I'm very pleased to be joined by Don McOwl. Um, If you do not know Don by his name, you will undoubtedly be familiar or perhaps even follow, but at the very least encountered um, Don's very popular Twitter account, Silent Movie Gifts, which has over, I believe, 130,000 followers um, on Twitter and is kind of a, I think of it as a staple of what we might call film Twitter or just online movie culture fandom um, in general. And so, Don, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be here and welcome to On Your Screen. So happy
1: to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure.
0: And so I, I imagine it must be interesting to have such a prolific and you know well-known movie account, or just Twitter account in general, that isn't tied directly to your name, because people know that entity, but they might not know who you are. Um, and so would you mind just giving us a brief introduction of who you are, your, your, your background, and how that led to you starting uh, this Twitter account?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I live in Toronto uh, in Canada. And uh, I work in the newspaper industry, I guess you know, for a newspaper here in Toronto. And uh, I'm not sure, I mean, how that exactly ties into my Twitter account. I mean, I guess it's, uh, you know, it's, I guess there's some overlap in terms of the skill because, like, I mean, it's like a lot of my job is about writing headlines, like you know, good SEO headlines, good print headlines, and I guess that's sort of like a tweet is sort of a headline in its own way, just efficiently communicating an idea in as few words as possible. So as to how I started the account, I mean, I guess I, I, I noticed just online, the popularity of GIFs made from silent movies and I was sort of struck by how like, the, the content fit the form like how we have this, this sort of this popular medium now online that's just like entirely visual, just like about, you know, images with no sound. And of course, sign up movies, 100 years ago, basically the same thing. So how it's sort of just very easily can be slotted into a GIF. Because people make GIFs out of anything. Like I've seen people making, they take like a Bernie Sanders speech and they make a GIF out of it, which seems like not an ideal medium, but I guess it's just because the GIF is a very accessible format. If you want something to spread online, it's like it's a very, I guess, low bar to have that happen. So I was just kind of struck by that, just how well, you know, like how well a Buster Keaton joke from like 100 years ago, just how well it translates into a GIF that people could, you know, share online today.
0: Right. And and as you say, it 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 is interesting because the GIF, of course... Doesn't have any sound, so it's it's kind of perfect. And, it, and what's interesting is that so few pieces of media these days don't have sound, right? Like I feel like we live in such a culture dominated by speed and sound and boom and loud and you know walking around listening to music all the time. Like I'm talking to you now with my AirPods, right? And so much of what we do is dominated by sound, but yet the GIF remains this dominant part of the culture. But it takes away that that bareness of it and really allows the, as you say, the medium to shine. So so when you started the account, did you set out to build like this big thing or was it just because you were passionate about sharing it? Like, how did you think
1: about the account when you first started it? Like, what was your goal? Well, I mean, I guess initially I started posting the first gifts I posted were on Reddit because I, I actually saw on Reddit. There's, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Buster Keaton movie. Well, it's actually a Roscoe Arbuckle movie that Buster Keaton is in. But the, the Bellboy from 1918 is a famous gag where Buster Keaton is cleaning a a piece of glass, and you're sort of watching him, and eventually you realize that it's not a piece of glass there because he leans through. You know, it's it's a, it's a visual gag. It's a brilliant kind of visual gag. and I just saw a version of that that was very, you know, it had probably like a million views or something on Reddit, but it was a very like low quality GIF. Like it looked like the source material was like a VHS tape or something that someone had uploaded to YouTube in like 240 DPI, and it was just like even though it was like such a low quality image, it was still resonating with people. So I sort of my process, I thought was just, you know, I have that movie on Blu-ray, and I have like Photoshop my computer i could probably make a better looking version of that and maybe people would share that instead and it would sort of you know because people sort of think sometimes they see a low quality piece from a movie and they think okay that's just how movies were like people in like 1918 would just go into the theater and the image on the screen was just like a blurry mess like that's just how you know they didn't understand focus or anything so you know i thought like i could make a cleaner better looking version of that gif and a sort of you know how i sort of started out i mean i didn't actually know anything about making gifs so initially it was a a bit of a learning curve, but you know, I just figured I had the sort of the elements that I needed. Because I guess a lot of the internet is sort of a self-contained system. Like when people want to make something on the internet, they sort of look for content to make. They look for the content they're using to make it on the internet as well. So they'll go to like another YouTube video and they'll just like take a clip from that or like they'll just... It's you kind know, of a contained system. Yeah, so I guess I just sort of started out making gifts that way, and some of them got like a lot of, you know, I, I made a few gifts, and they, you know, so they, some of them got pretty popular, and they got like, you know hundreds of, th- hundreds, of thousands of views, and I sort of thought like, you no, know, this is interesting. I mean, even though silent movies are kind of a very niche thing, they still have this sort of, they can sort of resonate with an audience today. They can still find like sort of a, sort of a mass audience. So I just sort of thought, like, what if I made a Twitter account? And I guess in retrospect, like, Twitter is not a very good medium for a GIF account, especially like in in 2015 when I started the account, like, you could only make five megabyte GIFs, which is sort of, uh, it's not really ideal. Because I find you can get sort of roughly, you can get like a second of film to like one megabyte in sort of decent quality. I mean, I've done like more, I think I've done like GIFs that are almost a minute long, but there's a lot of, you've got to trade off a lot of things in terms of frame rate, in terms of the colors, in terms of like the resolution, but to get like optimal quality, you can do like 15 megabytes, which is what it is now, will give you like, you know, 10, 15 seconds, which is sort of perfect for a lot of silent movie gigs. But five seconds, you could do a lot less with that.
0: And there was a time early on with with GIFs where it wasn't necessarily as easy to, and sometimes it still isn't, to embed them within Certain media. Sometimes a GIF had to be tied, like to a certain link. Am I am I correct in remembering that? And, and like it wasn't there weren't like built-in GIF keyboards and phones. Like there was like, it was before there was so well integrated into the media. It sounds like you were doing it, you know, in kind of the earlier days of the form, as you say.
1: Well, I mean, I think GIFs were are pretty big then, and I guess it's the uh, you know, but yeah, definitely because the GIF has been around since like it's actually it was invented in 1987, so it's a very old format as far as the internet goes. And I remember like initially Internet net gifts were just like dancing hamsters or whatever like they're very simple like they, they were on the internet but they didn't really become a big part of the internet until i think the 2010s i think part of that has to do with there was a legal dispute with the inventor of the format and i guess the guy then that guy also i should mention he always pronounces it jif which i don't really i can't really wrap my head around but i mean i appreciate that's his his image format so if he wants to call it GIF, but like yeah, so I, didn't, I think it kind of... Booted, the GIF boom has kind of taken off like, over the last decade. And, uh, you know, I guess like on Tumblr, on like... But I guess the irony is like people, even though we talk about GIFs, there's like there's very few actual literal GIFs on the internet because the GIF is a very... It's like an inefficient format. Like when you put a GIF on Twitter or on any platform, it converts it into some kind of proprietary video file, which is like a much smaller data footprint because obviously people don't want to be downloading a 15 megabyte file on their, their uh, phone plan. So any GIF you see is actually... They call them GIFs, but they're actually, you know, I guess that's part of what's made the GIF popular is like we've created more efficient ways of displaying short looping animations, but the the name is stuck.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. I didn't. I hadn't realized that. I hadn't. I hadn't thought through so much of this. And I. And I want to circle back to that later in the conversation. But but first, just I want to you know, have another question about you because it, I love this. You know, your. You know, you creating this Buster Keaton gif um, because you wanted people to understand something about film and about film history, um, and to also make allow people to experience Buster Keaton, who of course is a genius and one of the greatest directors and performers in film history. And you want them to really experience it and be able to see it. So were were silent movies something that you were always passionate about and always interested in? Um, Are you interested in just film history in general? Um, Where did you, because, you know, when one sees your account now, it's clear you have, uh, you know, a tremendous knowledge and passion for silent film. Was that always there or did that develop with the the growth of the Twitter account?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I've always been kind of a movie fan. I mean, I guess, the silent movies, in particular, I guess, have kind of, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess, I sort of found a niche in terms of the, the account because I guess it's sort of, if it was just like. Gifts made from movies—that's not really a hook. So it's like silent movies gifts. It's like a simple concept. So I kind of focused on that. But I mean, I do like movies of all kinds, you know, across the years. I mean, and so I do try to tie in things. Like I mean, you know, I guess because I guess obviously after like five years of making gifts from silent movies, I mean, obviously it's a lot of silent movies. But I mean, it's always interesting to sort of if I can take something else like Star Wars or I don't know, like I guess. The last week I watched the movie like My Man Godfrey and I was sort of thinking about a lot of the people in that movie were either silent movie stars or they were in silent movies and I kind of just like then I sort of thought about you know like there's a lot of like 1930s stars who started out as like bit players in the silent movies or I did like I mean it wasn't a very popular piece of content but just something I found interesting was just like the movie Stella Dallas and like, I got sort of like, I'm always into the movies where there's like a sound version and a silent version and just comparing the two just sort of seeing how the, the art form of film had evolved how they sort of telling the same story, but with the addition of sound. So I mean, just sort of comparing scene by scene. Which I mean, I guess that's sort of you know, I mean, still a Dallas. I mean, obviously that's not like a like a big you know blockbuster. GIF, but it was just something that I found interesting.
0: And you know, going back to why you chose GIFs over, because you know, I've you know, on your Twitter account, you know, you're talking about the different forms of content that you do, and I've seen you do you know, uh, comparison GIFs of you know how maybe one silent film introduced, you know, uh, influenced a more contemporary film, or threads about certain performers. Uh, and you've also sometimes will do short little videos. When you were starting the account and thinking through what you wanted to do, um, what drew you to the form of GIF over? perhaps, you know, maybe doing short videos or something. Like, did you ever
1: consider doing that or was it just always the GIF? I guess I've always just been struck by, you know, as I said, like how the GIF sort of fits the the medium or how it fits the content. And I guess it's it's sort of weird, like sometimes I'll go to a lot of effort to sort of take like kind of take like a 45 second clip of some Buster Keaton gag that's too long that's almost really too long to make into a GIF. And it's like working on it in Photoshop and just like squeezing it down to make it fit in that 15 megabytes. When I could just take that clip and just post that on Twitter, but I feel like almost like my whole account, like the whole point is I'm making them into GIFs. Like, I mean, even though like what's a GIF versus a video? I mean, a GIF is just another video format essentially, but I just, I don't know. I sort of like the constraint of having to, but I mean, I have been sort of branching out into video just because I mean, I guess obviously there's only so much you can do with a GIF where it's like 10 seconds long. So I sort of, I mean, as I guess you know, I guess I've been doing this for like five years. I don't want to just keep doing the exact same thing over and over. So I've been trying to sort of find new outlets to, uh, you know, and I guess also I found like the videos have been some of the, been some of my more popular content. So I guess I guess you know because you can sort of put I guess a lot of my theory of what makes making a popular piece of content is just taking a lot of things that are sort of interesting, like a lot of like I made a video of just crazy train stunts, and you can just make a GIF of one of those, and it might do okay. Like it's like look at this crazy train going off a bridge but you just take like 20 of them and just put them back to back to back and just sort of build this whole thing out of it and it sort of compounds so i found like video offers things that you know that i you know a gift doesn't do i mean at one point i was just trying doing like series of gifts, you know or i post them on like a like you know, like on, so I also have a, a subreddit I created uh, where I post these gifts because I think Reddit's actually probably a better medium in terms of if you want to have gifts and get them seen by a lot of people, Reddit is like a much more efficient mechanism for that than Twitter. I mean, Reddit can get like... Right. Why is that? Well, it's just, I don't know. I mean, Twitter is not, as I said, like, I mean, if I think, thinking back on it now, I mean, Twitter is not really an ideal platform for GIFs. I mean, even like when you have like 100,000 followers, you might think like, oh, if I have 100,000 followers on Twitter and I post a GIF of something, like 100,000 people will see it. But I mean, it's like the way the Twitter algorithm works. And like, you get like maybe 5% of your followers see any given thing you post. So to get like a million views on a GIF on Twitter is like very... Even when you have 100,000 followers, like I've managed to build up, to get like a million views is like very difficult. But like, you could just be any random person, you could just go and just like create a Reddit account tomorrow. And just like post something, and it could just sort of randomly, it could go nowhere, or it could just like blow up and get a million, five million, whatever you know, views. It's just you know, but then it's all you know, you don't have the whole you know, it's it's kind of I guess an anonymous sort of platform where people are just posting content just for the sake of posting it. But and I guess also with the when I created the subreddit, I found sort of you know it's a place where people can discuss silent film. It's like a very sort of democratic space. Because there are like silent movie subreddits, which people do post interesting stuff there, and they talk about silent film. But those are fairly small. Whereas my, I mean, my subreddit, I guess, is close. It's it's around like fifty thousand people. So it's you know it's a pretty sort of a niche gift subreddit. Like there's a lot of different, like there's like, there's some big gift subreddits. Like I think baby elephant gifts is really big. People love baby elephants, but it's just like, there's like weather GIFs, like any kind of GIF has its own subreddit. So I sort of thought like, you know, I can make this subreddit and people could discuss the GIFs. And also the thing with Reddit is people can come there and they can see oh, that's an interesting GIF. Let me just share it to this subreddit with like 10 million people. And then, so it's sort of, it's easier for people to take something and to sort of share it out into a broader internet versus Twitter where I guess you can retweet it, but that's I don't know. So yeah, I mean Twitter is not an, if you I suggest, you know, it's not an optimal platform for actually for for GIFs.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Seems like Reddit is perhaps more, you know, there's more curated lists that then have the potential to kind of spread throughout. Whereas Twitter, the curation is kind of whoever you choose to follow. Right. Um, but do you find that there are people who I would imagine there must be people who re, who just follow your account or engage with your content who perhaps that's the only way that they have been exposed to silent film? Like they maybe have, they've never seen a full silent film or maybe they've only seen a couple. And your your, you know, account serves this kind of educational
1: purpose. Is that something you think about or something that you find or have heard from your account. Yeah, I mean I do think now that Twitter or like the internet and like especially GIFs, I mean, are probably a medium through which a lot of people would discover silent film. Like I guess could they talk about how in the 1950s to the 1960s there was kind of a new appreciation was found by people through seeing silent films on television, even if they were like sort of cut down and like they added goofy sound effects or whatever, or like Buster Keaton sort of found uh, a new audience in the 60s and the 50s by doing going on a bunch of like he had, he had his own TV show. He was going on like late night shows. He was doing beer commercials. Wasn't he in like Beach Blanket Bingo and those movies? Yeah, doing cameos in movies. So like sort of I think sort of like a new generation of fans kind of discovered him through those mediums. But now I think th- the odds are the first place someone's going to see Buster Keaton or like Harold Lloyd or you know they're going to see that scene from Wings where the cameras goes through that cafe in Paris or like any or like Metropolis. Any of these sort of silent movie things is probably like on the internet and probably a GIF because like I said like a GIF is a very you know it's very I guess democratic like it's, it's very easy to share like it's not a big commitment of time I mean even just like watching a silent movie on YouTube is still like maybe daunting like as to like you know it's still it's like sort of a different medium like if you're not used to watching a silent movie and plus again the quality might not be the best but just watching like a 10 second GIF at least it's sort of people. I figure people can sort of build some awareness so then maybe they might at least sort of be intrigued by the concept and they might see like oh Buster Keaton and they have some association with that name. that's one thing I find, too, is like, it sounds like I'll post a a Buster Keaton gif, and then people will reply with their own Buster Keaton gifs. Like, people sort of, they recognize who he is, and sort of, they know, and they have associations already of like, okay, that's the guy who did the falling wall and the thing with the train. And all these other things, like this sort of, it, it means something to people. And and it,
0: one thing I would imagine, too, is, you know, even though, you know, obviously these films don't have sound, sometimes it maybe is, and Twitter has the function where like a video, if you're watching it, it might start to automatically play. But a GIF to, to look at it and engage that is pretty low stakes and pretty low, like you don't need to like click on the video and watch it and wonder whether it has sound. Like you can be on the subway scrolling through, or you can be, you know, in in, in a classroom or at your day job, just kind of scrolling through without any Sound and you can engage with the GIF and, and get something from it. And in talking about, I, th- I thought it was really fascinating the way you talked about how the GIF forced you to really focus, focus, and to have that constraint and to look for something that really had a, a punch and an impact. And I think so many of the GIFs that I enjoy of yours are, um, you know, when they show Buster Keaton or Chaplin or you know Fritz Lang or whoever doing something really innovative with the camera, right? Or they're 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 they're, they're having their own style and they show that you know and i could imagine someone engaging with that gift for the first time even for the fleeting second just saying huh well wow, there's a lot more these aren't just boring old black and white movies you know they're they're doing really exciting innovative things
1: yeah, like, I think that's one, like, one of the most popular sign movie gifts has got to be, as I mentioned, that shot from wings of the camera sort of, I guess, sort of tracking through all these people sitting at tables until it arrives at Buddy Rogers sitting there with his his drink in his Paris uh, nightclub. And I think it's partially the power of that is because it sort of surprises people. Like, it doesn't, they have an expectation of what a movie from 1927 should look like, like, where there's, like, very static cameras and, like, very basic, and they're sort of just, like, surprised, like, wow look at this this is like uh this amazing shot so i mean that you know that's a very and i think i did a gif too like where it's like that the star wars movie where there's a reference that like ryan johnson makes to uh that shot in the casino on so i made a gif of that sort of like a side-by-side comparison of the two but you know that's a very you know that that's sort of one of your classic like your top 10 summit movie gifts. you know there's some that are just like guaranteed uh you know it's just you know it's just an amazing shot and just you know people just aren't expecting that so it kind of just maybe opens up their their eyes to like the fact that you know that there was really interesting cinematography being done almost 100 years ago it wasn't just because people maybe sort of compress like people sort of maybe have a compressed notion of what silent cinema was like like they think like the great train robbery or something where it's just all these static shots of like uh you know people just you know it's just long takes and like like they don't they, like how much sound, how much cinema evolved over the course of those few decades of the silent era it's not it wasn't all just like these you know initially it was almost like they were just filming a stage play like just you have actors and they're just standing there at a medium shot just doing their thing and you just keep that shot for like a long time And you don't, there's not a lot of cutting not a lot of camera movement but uh you know at, towards the end of the silent era there was really like a golden era for that kind of thing and I sort of you know try, I, I, I was I love a good tracking shot if I could find and you know sometimes it's hard to hire to fit them into uh 15 megabytes or you know it sounds like quite long like this really amazing one in Sunrise where it's sort of tracking through the swamp and they actually built like they had a set with like two different moons so it's intentionally disorienting where you see the moon at one point and then the camera's moving around and there's like another moon and it eventually arrives at this this woman who's standing there by the lake and that's you know it's like a really amazing shot though it's kind of too long to fit into a GIF
0: and so uh, this continues perfectly to my next question which is how do you select select the films that you feature you know i'd be interested just to kind of know your planning process do you plan out your tweets days months weeks in advance what is your general philosophy because you are really a curator of this material and i'm sure a lot of thought goes into it you say you know like the shot from wings of course that might be one that can gain a lot of traction but i'm sure you also must think about you know underseen films or, or moments or gifts that you want to try and highlight so what is your philosophy when it comes uh to curation
1: yeah, like it is kind of a bouncing act. Because I guess that's one of the sort of the, the opportunities and sort of the challenges of social media is that there's so much – you have access to, access to so much data and analytics. So you can really see – like I really know what my audience likes. Like I know they like Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. They like German expressionist movies. They like things about like really interesting special effects things like from – you know, like uh – uh Mat shots and things, or like certain, there's a certain, you know, like 1920s glamour, like Clara Bow, like there's certain things they like, and there's certain things I know won't do that well, but it's still, you know, I'm, so the challenge, I guess, is kind of bouncing that, like, I mean, I want to give, you know, I, you know, obviously you want to give people what they want, but they're also not just becoming entirely that and sort of mixing in some new things, And, like, sometimes, like, I know, like, things aren't necessarily going to do that great. Like, I watched the movie Quality Street, and it's, like, an interesting movie. But, like, it's not really – it's sort of hard to make, like, a really – a gift from that that really kind of is going to do that. Oh, actually, the biggest one, I guess, is the movie Tollable David. I think I pronounced that right. Tollable. I don't know, with the, uh, you know, it's it's a very popular, like it was a huge, I think it was like one of the biggest movies of like 1921. And like you see all these people, like John Ford said it's one of his favorite movies. Mary Pickford loved the movie. Harold Lloyd made a movie that was kind of like a tribute to it. So it's like this big, big movie. But I've never been able to make a GIF from that movie. that, And it kind of captures that appeal. Like whatever appeal it had in 1921 does not translate into a GIF. Like the best I ever did was there's a shot where the villain, Kills the hero's dog, sort of like a John Wick kind of a thing. Though that's not really the inciting incident. Like, he doesn't seem to care that much. But uh, they kill his dog. But you can sort of see in the movie, at one point, the dog, right before they cut, the dog looks up to see what's going on, which I thought was sort of funny. So, I mean, that's the best I've ever managed to do out of making a piece of content from that movie. Or like The Covered Wagon, which was like one of the biggest movies of all time. Like this, you know, this sort of the first big, I guess, really blockbuster Western. It was like you know the biggest movie of 1923 and like i saw like this thing from like photoplay magazine where they asked all these people like what's the best movie ever and they all everywhere they all agreed that one of the best movies ever was uh the covered wagon so it's you know it's, again it's a huge thing at the time but then it's sort of hard to really capture that in a a gif so yeah so i mean let it, 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 it to get back to the point i guess of what you're asking about is yeah i mean there's kind of a bouncing act like between movies that I know are going to do well versus things I just think are interesting. A lot of it's just things that I'm watching. Like, I mean, I sort of have used this account as a, a reason to sort of watch more, Sonnet Cinema. I mean, I already when I started that already, you know, I'd obviously watched some of it, but I mean, I've got I've really dived a lot deeper into that. And I guess maybe one of the most satisfying things for me is sort of when I can take something that isn't inherently going to do that well. Like I really like uh, I'm a big Ozu fan, like just in general. But I I really like I've been watching a lot of his Sonnet movies, and that's not something that's necessarily going to be big uh they don't have like huge gift potential like they're beautiful movies but they're not like they're not something like metropolis or like uh steamboat bill jr or something where you can just take like basically any random shot and just like put that in a gif and it's just gonna do well like it's sort of hard to translate that into that medium but i, I made recently like i made a collection of because uh, ozu's had a whole thing where he put posters of movies he liked in the backgrounds of his sound-up movies. And this sort of, I found this by taking all those and sort of making like a, I think it's like a 23 second segment of just all these shots of movie posters that actually did. I think I got like Android retweets. So to actually, you know, to sort of take something that I find interesting that isn't necessarily going to be, that doesn't necessarily, it's sort of more difficult to translate and actually have that sort of fine subtraction with people is uh is sort of satisfying. Because it's sort of, it's easy just to take like, as I said, like, you know, if I just start with like Metropolis or I just make a bunch of clips from Buster Keaton movies or something, I just know from the start that that's probably going to do well because just because of the source material and this, it's kind of a very easy... Uh Thing, but just to sort of try to branch out more into beyond just those things. So I was pretty happy with that. Like the, uh, just it's, you know, it just, it's, it's just sort of beautiful. Just like all the the shots of all the movie posters and sort of thinking about like I guess you know these classic films that Ozu was influenced by and just uh, I don't know. I, I was happy with that, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I I miss that. So I'm gonna have to go I'm right after we're doing this conversation, I can't wait to go uh go watch that. And you know, the the the, the other podcast that I do, the companion to this is the video essay podcast and is really interested in video essays and videographic criticism we call it generally, and one form that we talk about is the soup the the supercut. And it seems like that video of yours is in a sounds like a form of um, a supercut.
1: I mean it's a very it's a very short supercut, but yeah, it is a it is a supercut. I do enjoy a good supercut.
0: You know, it sounds like almost like the equivalent of, you know, capturing every time Hitchcock appears in his movies or something like that, you know, the the influences of of Ozu. And so I'm wondering, you know, b- before I get to my next question, I just based on what you said, because I love this notion of how you think about the GIFs that you're making and this the this struggle of trying to capture the, for lack of a better word, the essence of a film in a GIF. You know, why did Ford or Pickford love this film? Why does it have this status in something else? Was there an example of a time where you were really like trying to think through a GIF of a film and then you kind of had an aha moment and were able to, to make a GIF? Or was there one moment where you found a GIF that Capture something that you were really proud of and that really surprised you and how well
1: it did. Yeah. No, I mean, cause I'm sure there have been things like, as I said, like it's all, there are some things where it's just that I'm surprised because I mean, I sort of have expectations of just how well certain things will do. And sometimes things do surprise me. I guess sometimes it's just because someone retweets something that it just, you know, I mean, that that's a big factor too, in terms of like uh, how well something will do.
0: I, I love what you say about the the Ozu. And again, it, it, it sounds to me kind of like a form of a supercutter, as you say, a, a small version of the supercut. And, you know, we, we've said this several times, but, you know, for those who may not be familiar with your account, you know, you'll often, as you say, feature these great threads that have a mick that are on silent film or silent film stars or the influences of silent film on the cinema that came after it that sometimes have videos and GIFs or both. And you have this mix of analysis or criticism, and I think it's clear from when I'm talking to you this deep knowledge and passion for, for film history. And I wonder whether you think of yourself as a, a historian, as a critic, uh, both, neither, um, and how do you see the, the, the Twitter account, um, how does it function as a piece of criticism and really as, a, as an archive?
1: Well, I mean, I think that there are people who are doing sort of a much better job of what you're talking about in terms of criticism or film history, like, I mean, movies silently or like uh, Silent London. I mean, accounts like that are sort of, I think, doing up way beyond anything I'm doing in terms of exposing people to like the history of movies or like, I mean, I think so myself, as you say, like more of a, a curator, I just sort of find things I think are interesting or shots I think are interesting and or a, or a combination of an interesting shot and sort of an interesting piece of factoid about how it was made. And it's posting those, so I'm sort of more just I don't know. That's just sort of what I'm doing. I, in my mind, it's sort of finding interesting things. Uh, so I sort of go down like a rabbit hole where I just find something and it's kind of and it sort of piques my curiosity. I sort of want to look into, learn more about it. You know. Like I did a thing where I was kind of just like, I saw like that Harold Lloyd was reading a newspaper in the movie Speedy. I know he filmed that partially in New York and he's reading the New York Times. So it's like, I wonder if I could find that's, you know that specific issue of the New York Times that he's reading to see like what day that was. And just it had, uh, and you know, I have like my, my my New York Times subscription gives you the access to the uh, their archives, which is just amazing. And they have like all 150 years or whatever of the Times. So I you know I went back to the summer of 1928, and just like I couldn't really read the headlines on the paper, but just you know, the, sort of seeing the the basic outline, you know, like the the layout of the front page. I found the paper he's reading, and this is sort of it's just seeing like what was actually in that paper. I mean, I think a lot of the sto- the, the stories were about the. Uh, well, there's like stories about like, you know, it's sort of weird it actually shows that paper because there's stories about like terrorist bombings in the subway and like in Baltimore. And I guess it was, you know, it's a very fraught time, I guess, for America. Like it's kind of, I want to wonder like, you know, if the audience could actually see, I mean, it's only like a one second shot, but if you notice this is a shot about like bombing in subway, it's kind of a, a, jar, a jarring thing. And then some of the stories in the paper, like, you know, there was like an ad for like Wings was coming out next week. And there's like a, you know, there's like a picture of the queen as a baby. I don't know. It just, it's sort of interesting to some imagine like, you know, that sort of that moment in time and just like what was in that, you know, kind of went down a rabbit hole there.
0: Wow. I love that you do that. That's so amazing. And talk about close, uh, Film analysis and uh, and and viewing, and I think one of the things I I think is so great about what you're doing and about the GIF and that this isolation is like seeing things, giving us new ways to see things that maybe we've encountered over and over again. Like the, how many times people have seen that newspaper and not thought to go look at it, or seeing a shot in a different way. And so when you're watching a silent film, are you looking for GIFs as you're as you're watching, or is it an organic process for you? Will you Go back later. Like, can you enjoy a silent film without thinking about what would be the most gifable shot here?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do sort of mentally catalog. Like, when I'm watching a movie, like I, I just sort of. I can't help but sort of think of like what parts are sort of the most striking imagery. Especially like I'm, I mean, in Toronto, we're lucky to have quite a few places uh, that screen silent movies on like you know big screens, like movie theaters. Well, I guess that's been obviously been kind of affected by this whole pandemic, unfortunately. But uh, there's been a few you know, a few venues where they show silent movies on the big screen, and just even just going into a screening and just sort of something sort of jump out at me like I just sort of see like oh that's an interesting shot or sometimes I do go back you know go back afterwards and kind of look through it uh, you know trying to find something but yeah usually when you watch a movie you can sort of see like what's going to be an interesting you know what's going to has potential I mean, there's some movies where basically like uh, any frame almost, you can just go to any random point, like uh, Sherlock Jr. is maybe the most gifable movie I think ever uh, in terms of you know, the whole silent era. You can just sort of pick almost any scene of that movie at random and there'll be something that will work well as a gif, whereas other movies, like there could be like very little. That's I mean, you know, it's a good movie, but it's just it's sort of uh, like it was just like people talking to each other about stuff. I mean, it, it's sort of more just like a straight metal drama type movie is harder to Translate, uh, you know, it, 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 I do, yeah. When I'm watching a movie after all these years of, I guess, of going through this whole process of making gifts out of them, I can't help but sort of catalog and sort of take note of things that I think will work well as gifts. And also, I have sort of, sort of in my mind now, I've kind of built up. Like, just remembering things that are in certain movies. Like, when I made like that compilation, I made a compilation of uh, all the hat gags in Buster Keaton movies. Cause it does a lot of, like, all Sonic comics, they do a lot of jokes with their hats because I guess it's like very relatable comedy because everyone, I guess, in like 1920s was wearing hats. So they can, like, it's like, oh, a hat joke. I can relate to that because I have a hat myself. So, but just like, you know, so it's just remembering. Like, okay, in this movie, he does a thing with a hat, and this movie he does a thing with a hat. It just, I don't know what portion of my brain is just being filled up by this kind of thing. Though, I mean, I also do have to kind of go back and sort of scrub through the movies looking for specific things. But, Yeah. It, it 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 does change the way I watch the movies, I guess.
0: When we actually think about what film is, right, and it's especially these sound films, which were shot on film, of course. You know, it's it's this collection of photographs, this rapid, you know, succession of images, right? These you know, a compilation of moments. And there's something very much in the GIF of almost returning film to its that most basic in an Eisenstein's Eisen. Stinian sense, like unit of like a single frame and image. And I imagine that in doing that, you must develop this very intimate relationship with the material that you're working with, like scrubbing through frame by frame and figuring out the, you know, if if it's in the middle of a gag, where the person's arm should stop and go and what makes for the, uh, you know, the, the best in and out point of a GIF, is that something you, you think about when you're doing, like, do you have a, is it just feel for you? Or do you have a specific approach for where you decide when to stop and end and freeze
1: and, and, and do all those things? Yeah. I guess like the, the interesting thing about sort of editing, cause I guess on one way, like making a GIF is just sort of like, it's similar to this like editing video, like to making a compilation of shots, but you're also thinking about, how the end shot is going to have to flow into the first shot. So, I mean, it's, not, it's It's very difficult to get. Like, I mean, there's only been a few I've got where it's anything close to what you would call a perfect loop, which is kind of a thing that gift makers aspire to do, where it's like a, it, it's like almost seamlessly the gift just sort of doesn't end. Like, that's it's very, you know, it, I've, I've got a few like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's tricky to do. But you want something... Yeah you know, you've got to think about like how I you know I mean you saw it's going to be inherently going to be like a, a jump cut but you want you know if it, you can get sort of get from the point where it ends to the point where it starts if they can kind of flow together, that kind of can enhance the GIF. So, so it is different from just editing a shot in, th- in terms of thinking about someone watching it like in a video where it's just going forward to the next shot because it's going to just, you know, the GIF is inherently going to just start over again. So you the next shot is the same shot as the one you're, uh, you know, working on. So that, you know, that is, you know, that's sort of one consideration. Uh, You know, I guess they're, you know, I mean, a lot of times I do find, like with a Buster Keaton movie, like his own, it's sort of hard to beat sometimes the way that the movie was already cut. Like it's just because, you know, they're very economical. There's not really a lot of, especially the short films... There's not like a lot of fat or like a lot of wasted. So, like, if he, you know, like if he cuts away from a gag, like it, you know, it doesn't hang on for too many, for like too many extra beats or anything. It's very, it's very crisp. Like, uh, you know, that sort of song was lost, I think, in like his movies from the 30s. They got kind of more sort of flabbier and they kind of, they don't have that same care. To just like the flow of the movie, but like it's sort of hard to beat sometimes. Just the choices that were made by the original editor of the movie. It's like they sort of they've already picked the perfect in and out on a, a gag. So, so a lot of times I just go with what they have. I think you know, and that's something we talk a lot about
0: in the 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 video essay. You know, uh, criticism circles that I run in, which is that the best way to kind of really understand how a film works is to deconstruct it and to really understand how it was assembled. And it sounds like when you're doing that, you've, you've developed an even more of an appreciation for a wow, while. The editors on these films were, <laughs> were, were, were superb, superb. And that's, and that's why it works.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Cause they were, I'm sure using like a razor or something like they were obviously not you know and it's just how they managed especially like some of those crazy like like eisenstein like the the, the the rapid cutting the montage i mean just doing that with uh how you know painstaking it must have been to to edit something in that way it is kind of amazing obviously they don't have the luxury or i think the thing that i think about too sometimes is that the weird thing is like that there are a sort of a weird phenomenon with s- I'm sort of interested in like because I guess a lot of silent movies are lost unfortunately so that's something I've been sort of interested in like it's like I've done it like a, finding fragments from lost silent movies a certain like poignancy to that like just sort of seeing like these few seconds are all that's left of this thing that people worked on for you know months or like, you know this huge production that was like this big sets and costumes and everything and now it's just reduced to like a five second clip but like some of these movies only survive because the studios in like the 30s or the 40s they would make Make these sort of self-congratulatory uh, documentaries about themselves, and like I guess they just task some studio employee or some editor with going through their their back catalog of films and just sort of showing like, okay, here's the history of MGM, and you know, like this And so some movies only survive because some editor in like 1936 he just like chose like one particular moment, and he's like and I have to wonder is like was this a particularly good moment or is it just like a random because some of them are kind of weird There's like there's one of just like it's like uh, someone just like holding what looks like an egg or like a rock and it's like, it's like is this the best shot from this movie or is this just something that someone just kind of chose because they had this kind of assignment of making this movie and like I guess obviously going through a whole reels and reels of film trying to find the optimal shot versus just like picking something but like what the choices they've made of like essentially everything they didn't pick is gone and like all that's left of this movie is just this one shot they included in this compilation so it's kind of it's obviously now when I'm making a compilation of something I mean I have uh, you know premiere you know it's a lot easier to kind of scrub through a movie and to find things. But I just sort of think about, like, you know, people who are doing that and it's like, they, you know, they, they, I'm sure they never considered the fact that, like, the weight of what they were doing is like that, like, you know, they were choosing what part of the movie is going to survive for posterity or the same thing, like that some movies only survive because of the trailer where I mean, like the trailer is like, you know, I'm, I'm sure someone making a trailer, isn't thinking like, okay, this is at one point going to be all that's left of this movie. It's just, I don't know. I find that kind of, kind of interesting to me.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I think it's, it's so fascinating. And to also just think about how, you know, a film is super flammable and, you know, all these, all these, all these roadblocks to, to preservation. And I think that's fascinating. And, and that's actually a question I have for you, which is, do you, you know, this, as you say, I, I, you know, the editor who was making this, documentary so that a corporation could congratulate itself as you know saved a piece of film history probably unknowingly um and you know t- twitter is obviously a, a corporation and can never be you know a, a a true archive in the in a way that you know a public university or library or, you know, something like that could be. Um, but do you think of yourself as in a way making sure that these images are preserved in some way? Do you think of the account in the work of you're doing as an archive in, in a sense? I mean, obviously, you're not saving the actual film strips, but you are making sure these images, you know, you are you are giving these images a new life and passing them on to, to new people. Is that, do you think of yourself
1: in that way? Well, I mean, I don't really think of myself as saving them because I'm sure there are people hopefully, you know, that are actually archiving these files. But like I sort of, you know, like hopefully, you know, they have like original films or they've scanned them and they have them somewhere. But I guess sort of what I think of myself more as doing is just kind of packaging this, taking these films and kind of packaging them in a way that kind of lets them sort of travel across the internet and kind of find an audience. It's like one of the most popular things I did, Like, I guess sort of towards the start of my account is I just I made a collection of I mean, you know, other people... I mean, I didn't make any the animations, and like other people had already made them into GIFs, but I kind of just collected together a bunch of... You know, there's a bunch of, like, uh, special effects shots from silent movies, and then there's, like, various documentaries where they have sort of little animations showing how the special effects were done. And I kind of put, like, the shot, and then I put the, you know, the GIF of showing how it was done, and I wrote a little, you know, a summary of it. And that was, like, I came a very viral post on Reddit. It was, like, the number one post. And, you know, it, so it had, like, like a 10 million views or something. And I guess once, once it's sort of you should have shown that this content can be kind of viral like a lot of other people have now picked that up and they're kind of because that's how things I think spread on the internet It's like people don't necessarily see them when they're first posted things sort of spread because people keep reposting them they repurpose them So I sort of think what I do is like, if I could kind of take this content and kind of package it in such a way that it can actually connect with people on that level, that can kind of go viral or be widely spread, then, you know, even if my account were to go away, I mean, people were still, you know, they still have this, like there's people who took like those gifts and they, you know, they took my my little uh, captions and they sort of did a text to speech thing and they made a YouTube video and that has like hundreds of thousands of views like BuzzFeed made a post which was essentially just all the you know the GIFs so I think you know just taking content that's sort of what I'm interested in is just like taking this content that I like or these movies that I like and sort of thinking like how can I sort of package them and sort of put this together in a way that will be something that has the potential to kind of spread and to kind of go viral I mean not that I'm you know I'm not obviously always constantly chasing virality because I mean that would be sort of I think that's kind of you should sort have of go down that road I mean it's sort of a uh Sort of a self-destructive path. Like I know there was one account that got pretty big. Like they were, they weren't exclusively a silent movie GIF account, but they were doing a lot of silent movie GIFs. And you know it was, you know, they, it was a pretty, Yeah, it was an interesting account. But like they kind of, I guess it seems like almost like they, uh, their constant need to find things that were. You know trying to constantly stay viral con- you know finding things that will be what you know viral or that will get a lot of retweets. I think eventually they kind of ran into copyright issues or something of just posting people's art I mean, I don't know what happened but their whole account got deleted or you hear about all these like Instagram accounts where they just steal people's memes, they steal people's content, they steal people's tweets like i just nakedly so I'm not interested in just like that. Constantly, you know, I'm not exclusively interested in just trying to make an account that's, I mean, obviously, if I was trying to make an account that was all focused on uh, being popular, I wouldn't have chosen this kind of very niche thing. But I just find, the, what I find interesting is just within the niche is just like the idea that I can sort of take something about it that I really like and sort of try to present it in such a way that it can sort of find a big audience I guess I say like that Ozu thing, I mean, you know, it got like, it wasn't like viral, but it had, you know, like like 70,000 views or something, which is, you know, it's it just, it, I don't know, it's, uh that's sort of what I find interesting, I guess, is trying to package things, because I guess, because I, I am an editor, I guess, in my job, it's like, it's a different kind of work, but I mean, I guess it's all about thinking about how to package things together, how to sort of, you know, present something, so that's sort of what I find or like, or just like my Buster Keaton hat gags. I mean, that's something that's also being kind of shared. Like I, I actually, it's weird. Sometimes I, like I see, I've seen that, like where someone has like, I've seen a gif someone has made of that, but it has like someone else's watermark on it, where someone has taken my video and then like someone has taken their video and they've made the gif. So I guess that's sort of like, that's just how the internet works. You know, you sort of put a piece of content out there and people see like, oh, there's a piece of content that does well. Let me just take it and put it on my Instagram account. So that's you know that's a sort of how that's how things spread. So even if like the original is gone, it's sort of like it's like a you know it's sort of out there. It's circulating. So I mean obviously I don't, you know, I don't think I'm saving it, but I'm sort of just. You know, I'm, as I said, like hopefully I'm, people are seeing this stuff and they're interested in it to sort of check it out in more depth and also just like making it in such a way that it has the potential to kind of, you know, go uh, to reach as wide an audience as possible. I just find it sort of like an interesting kind of like an intellectual challenge, just thinking like, what's the thing I can do involving silent movies that could get a thousand retweets? I mean, you know, it's not everything, you know. It's you know, it's hard to get a 1000 retweets on anything. So this kind of thinking about on, you know, it, I mean, I have ideas, but then it's a matter of actually putting them together.
0: Right. And once it's out there, god knows where it's going to go. And you know, just like, you know, of course, you know, no a gif can never be a complete archive for a film and just like you know those documentary real those documentaries can never be a full replacement for a film but it you know just like the documentary is repurposing that material into something new your your gifts are a new medium and a new form of their own that are as you say hopefully spreading and and giving new life to this material that will hopefully get people to go back and look at the original source.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's all. Always, that's always my hope. Like, I mean, I hope, you know, I hope that people, you know, because I think people have to be exposed to something to sort of get like, a, an interest in it. Like, I mean, it's one thing to sort of see, like, to walk by a, thin- a theater that says, like, Buster Keaton Film Festival. And if you have no idea who that is, I mean, maybe you're a curious person and you're just like, I'm going to check this out for no reason. But, like, just having a baseline understanding of, like, okay, I know who Buster Keaton is. He's the guy that wall fell, and he was standing there. Like, you have, you have some association, like, that means something to you, and then that's sort of a starting point, I imagine. Like, you can kind of go from there, and who knows how far people... I mean, obviously, I don't imagine most people seeing a Buster Keaton gift are going to go out and, like, buy a bunch of Buster Keaton Blu-rays, like I have, or they're going to go like a film screening, but I mean, it's just, you sort of have to have that exposure to have, uh you know, if like a million people see something maybe, or, you know, if enough, if enough people see something, This even a small percentage of them are interested in it enough to kind of really get into it. I mean, that's how, you know, silent film culture will kind of stay alive just through by reaching a, a mass audience. So I do think about that too sometimes, like where it's just... Because, you know, I imagine like how many people saw this scene like on the day the movie was released, you know, there was a time when this was seen by like a mass audience. And then for years, maybe like some of these movies were even like feared to be lost for a long time or the scenes were like in a vault in some Russian archive or something. And then to sort of have them again, just have that potential to go out there and be seen by like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people again is kind kind of neat. I mean, obviously they're not watching, you know, I guess it's now because people's attention is much more fractured now so people were maybe just watching like 10 seconds of a movie and you know they're not watching the whole thing but I mean it's they're getting that exposure to to it and hopefully maybe that can lead to something else I don't know
0: yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you if I didn't, you know, have discover clips of, you know, old media on YouTube that then fueled my passion for film and, you know, everything else. So I'm someone who certainly believes in in, in the power of that and just, you know, exposure to one little thing can you know, really set off a domino effect. I have I have one final question for you, and it's something you alluded to earlier, which is, you know, I, I, I assume most of the films that you use are in the public domain. I know a lot of Buster Keaton's films are, in fact, a Buster Keaton film film is in the logo for this podcast. Um, And I think what you do, even if they're not, clearly falls under fair use. Um, But I'm wondering, have you ever received any pushback from sharing the film clips in this way? Any copyright
1: barriers at all? No, I mean, I guess, as you say, like, I mean, I think the GIF is considered fair use. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I think the test case would be something because people make gifts out of everything. They make gifts out of like very, very valuable IP. Like people are making gifts out of Marvel movies. They're making gifts out of like an NFL highlights. So I, I think there was, there was briefly a case where Disney or some lawyer at Disney was trying to push back against all the Baby Yoda gifts, but they quickly, they quickly kind of abandoned that. Because I think that like, companies recognize that it is valuable to their IP. Need to have it, because I think, like, the GIF is a very easily spreadable format. Like, that's if you want to have something be part of the internet discussion, having it be out there in the GIF form is, I think, valuable to the people who own the ip So there seems to be, I mean, I don't know if it's being tested by, like, uh, you know, case. I'll don't, I don't like a Supreme Court ju- decision where they're like deciding that GIF is a fair GIF is fair use. Because again, as I said, like, it is kind of a weird thing where GIF is essentially just a, it's another type of video so it's like is it would it be copyright violation to post a video of baby yoda but not a gif like uh, you know where does you draw the line between you know but i mean i think it is generally i haven't had any issues with that i mean i've had some like um, i have a youtube channel and like uh, i made a compilation of buster keaton stunts that ha- i think it's like 11 million views now and that's in the game it's sort of like and again people have used that like source material like people have, i've seen people have, i've seen people make gifs out of that video because i can tell the sequences and stuff so it's like you know again because people make by yeah, the so yeah, this video, uh, I, I used a scene from Seven Chances where he's like diving off the cliff and there was a copyright claim on that, but it was not fr- It was from some running magazine. I think because they made their own video where they used the clip and they like copyrighted their video. So they inadvertently copyrighted this one clip. So I had to kind of cut it down a bit. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it, you know, it's almost like, you know, I mean, I guess some of these movies are still under copyright protection. And I guess you could argue like, is it fair use to make a compilation of Buster Keaton stunts? Is that, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, but no, I mean, other than that, I mean, the tricky, the thing that gets claimed is music. That's the crazy thing. Is like, uh, it's sort of a a dichotomy. Like, my original idea when I was making these videos is like, I'll use. 1920s music because like how can that possibly be a copyright problem but like even if you're using like some uh, recording from like 1923 it still gets uh, content ID'd I mean I don't know if that's like legit I mean I don't know how that uh, it's like you know like lifetime I mean I don't to be honest I don't know exactly what the copyright rules are for music if it's like lifetime with a creator plus so many years but you would think similarly with music even like a hundred year old recording you could post it on YouTube and you'll get uh, there's some company that will claim your video I mean who knows how they came to have the rights maybe they themselves just, like, found the gramophone and just, you know, found this old, like, record and published a CD and, like, did, did, they, did they pay the composer or the artist? Like, how did they have the rights to it? Like, maybe they just took it themselves and, like, they put it on CD, they put it on iTunes and now they, you know, they can, they say they own it, but who knows, like, you know. So music, yeah, music is hot is, uh, but, like, you know, film, especially especially for gifts I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any, uh, I've never had any problem with, with gifts I think it's just part of, it's part of the internet. People just accept that, uh, you know, as if you can make, you. You make a gift out of baby yoda you can make a gift out of buster keaton
0: don thank you so much for uh for taking the time i i really appreciate it and also thank you for all the work that you put into your twitter account and into everything that you do um it's it's much appreciated thank you
1: well thank you it was it was enjoyable to actually talk about my uh, twitter account because it's the kind of thing that i feel like real life if you just start talking about like oh i have a twitter account where i make a bunch of gifts, it's kind of you're not going to talk about that for like an hour like you're gonna be like okay that's cool but like you're not gonna have an hour-long conversation i enjoyed this thank you